Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back with Lowjack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. In a booth in Austin, Texas. Join on the road, Gordon Mack in a supply closet? Where are you? You're very close to the camera. What's going on? Oh, it's a hotel room. I'm in a hotel room. I'm in a hotel room in Flagstaff. And I have, I think, worse internet than you, but I have better audio now than you. And you're in a a soundproof booth, and my internet and audio is better because something's janked up about your computer, man. What's going on? Yeah. Listen, we've been doing this remote thing for about a year. My USB ports have given up. They said it's time to go. Nothing works in the correct order like one computer's internet is good but the usb ports don't work the other one the usb ports work but the internet is bad this is the first time i think i've done a podcast ever with no headphones on i feel really strange i feel really free i feel loose i might say go in a different direction than anybody is ready for just because it feels like you and i are talking the audio i apologize so as you're listening might be a little bit uh a little bit worse, but hey, we'll figure it out. We'll get rolling. Uh, before we go and talk about the results of the weekend, how's your how's your trip been? I know it's been a while since you've been in Flagstaff, about three or four days. So how has it been? Yeah, trip's been pretty wild. So we were here filming a thing with the Under Armour Dark Sky team, but naturally when you're in Flag, they're not the only ones here. Basically the entire running Mecca is here. And we went to Sedona, which for those who don't know, it's like, 2,000 feet uh, lower elevation from Flagstaff that a lot of athletes go to to do harder workouts. And we went there twice, but notably on Friday afternoon, we went there to film a workout with the uh, dark sky women. But when we show up, there's like literally 50 plus elite athletes all on the track doing a different workout. There's Molly Seidel was there, Molly Huddle was there, Charlie Grice, Erica Villa. The Dark Sky team, Ellie, Ellie Pure, all the New Balance women were there. Like, you name it, they were there, and they were all doing different workouts. And it was cool because everyone was doing their own workout, but they would, like, hop into each other's workouts if they knew they were doing a similar pace. So, mm-hmm. like, Rachel Schneider, she did a workout solo, but she ran in four different other groups' workouts throughout the entire uh, session. Because she's like, oh, oh you're wow. doing 70s? Okay. I would hop in there. Oh, you're doing a, some faster? Oh, you can take them through 400? Cool. And everyone was kind of like working off each other. They all were like cheering each other on. It was a really interesting environment, like super positive. So it was hmm. cool. So we did that and then um, got a couple workout Wednesdays. And then we did some interviews on Saturday. And then Sunday went to the long run, uh, which is a very popular thing in Flagstaff where – uh, Stephen Haas, who's like a the orbiter of I don't know if that's the right word, the or, oracle or orator, the order of Flagstaff running. Um, he says where the long run's going to be, and then everyone shows up. Uh, and so we went to film the long run. And oh, we got come, wow. we got a guest coming in. 
we got my girlfriend Jojo coming back with some coffee. Excuse her. Uh, but the long run was cool. Harvard was there, the Harvard track team. Oh wow! So I guess they they realized, hey, our season isn't happening, so let's just go train and flag for the spring. Um, but yeah, overall, being flags is fun. You're surrounded by running. You're surrounded by, you know, great downtown environment. And then I'm staying here all week because I'm going to go hiking in Grand Canyon, Sedona. It's going to be a good time. But enough about How that. How many? Anyway, content for me to put up on the internet for you guys to watch later on this month. So I just have one question. That track scene that you painted sounds awesome. And I feel like someone needs to do a video of that. Just the the teamwork and the camaraderie of it all. It's like jazz music, basically, right? You're Im improvising. Yeah. Like, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. It's pretty cool. How many times was the word track yelled, though, at all? Did you hear anybody? Not really that much, to be honest. Because they know I what they're doing, they're, right? But they all know. They have, like, this yeah. sixth sense to know when the track is, is, is hot. And the people just do to stay out of lane one and two at all times. But you would just constantly see people – you know, it's not, I think it's more controlled in a weird way because there's not like anyone's ever going to be doing, there's not like a sprint group there or like yeah. someone doing like a crazy like hurdle drill or anything like that. Everyone's basically in lane one. So you kind of know mm -hmm. that's just like the the freeway and then you get, get on the on-ramp at the start line and then you get off and get back on. So it's kind of like a moving freeway, to lane one at Sedona. Another content idea. We come back this time next year. We dress you up. We disguise you. We put you in lane one jogging 1030 miles and mic you up and just hear what people say to you. That'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. And I just like have headphones on, like big yeah. headphones. So I like have ankle weights and everything and just like, like, God, oh, that'll be fun. Troll, trolling a track workout team. That'll be fun. And then, yeah. and then you reveal yourself later and they're like, oh, great. Thanks, Gordon. Really appreciate you ruining the workout. We hate you even more now. Uh, we got great reviews with Lincoln on the pod last week. Like the chat was blowing up. Lincoln's back. Lincoln's back. I, and no one was saying, oh, I'm glad he's here and Gordon's gone. But it was just, it was nice just to hear that, that Lincoln is back. I don't know if you saw the video. He hasn't cut his hair in, in months. Uh, I think he's fallen on hard times a little bit. Just kidding. He's doing great. Uh, also wanted to plug before we started uh, the other show we got going on, On the Run uh with serenity douglas she got two episodes up first one was with kenny harrison the second one was with marquis dendy if you haven't checked it out you should do that right now or right after this episode also if you want to comment in the chat while we're watching we already got one positive comment from the saxy life let's go the mac is back so here we go you got comments go. in the chat leave them right now i want to start first gordon i want to start first with a meet that we had on flow track and the emergence of a new american steeple star that's right i said it a steeple star courtney wayman of byu her first steeple since 2017. what does she do gordon what does she do she runs 931 37 puts her fourth on the ncaa list behind who well courtney frericks jenny simpson emma coburn and colleen quigley the big four of american women's steepling she's already there in just her first race again since 2017. She had good competition in this race, theoretically, with Hannah Steelman, who is an All-American herself, very credentialed runner, and Weymouth just ran away with this thing. I think we are going to see Weymouth break the collegiate record this year, Gordon, when she gets another chance to run it. I think she's going to kind of bridge that gap that we're going to see once the Coburn, Frericks, Quigley, era when it ends eventually which is not going to be anytime soon but Wayman right there with with Ali Ostrander already in terms of PBs and what you get from Wayman Gordon is you get somebody who's good on the flat already right like we talked about her being a 5000 meter favorite so if you take the fastest woman or one of the fastest women already in the flat 5 or when you go back to the indoor season the NCAA champion in the flat 3 and then you put her in the steeple this is the the result that you get. So Weymouth, big favorite. Steeple on the women's side this year is sneaky good in the NCAA. We talked about Camelli running 937 this year, but Weymouth is the the top of the list. I think she's going to be a factor when you when it comes time for the trials as well, too. You put a lot of uh, 
trust in a 931 steepler to like not only improve Debut. by another eight eight seconds and then be already in the conversation with the Quigleys and Coburns and Frericks of this world? Well, I mean, no, she I'm did saying have a good indoor season, but like she didn't like run like 920. I'm not saying she's going to beat them in the trials. I said she's going to factor in the trials. Okay. I think obviously top, I mean, top five is a possibility. You think top five is out of the question for trials? Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone can get fourth. That's yeah. the top three are the, the known, and then anyone could be fourth in that race. So, and if you run 931, you are, you can be fourth. Uh, but I mean, she didn't get the, one thing that, that not to, she didn't get the standard out of it. So we do know she has to run another fast race to try to get the Olympic standard and maybe she will, you know, push it at NCAAs or maybe she'll try to run NCAA prelims really quick. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Courtney Wayman, what was her PB before this race? 10-0 something. Doesn't matter. Start with the 10. <laughs> That's wild to go that long without steepling and go from <laughs> then all of a sudden, like, do you, how do you even remember how to steeple if you don't yeah. go for that long? Like, did, was she still like practicing steepling or was she like taking like a whole four year sabbatical off of even going over barriers? Do you know? I don't think she had been going over many barriers until this past season. And that's why I think the collegiate record is going to go down this year, just because the rep of doing the race the second time is going to help immensely. Cause it's not like you Steeplers aren't doing like mock steeples in practice in the same way that 5,000 runners aren't doing mock 5,000s all out in practice. But steeple, there's the added technical element. There's the added time over the barriers. So if you put her in a race with Camelli and have another race under her belt, I think you're just going to see a huge bump up. Because if the last time you ran it was four years ago and you're running 10, you're a completely different runner now. So your experience running it is not not really tr perfectly transferable to where you're at right now, which is why I'm so optimistic on what she's going to do the rest of the, the rest of the season. We should mention that this race almost didn't even happen. The yes. men's yeah. and women's steeple at the West coast relays almost got canceled for those who are watching it. They might've been confused what was happening in the middle, right before the, the good races started. Uh, yeah. But there was a rolling blackout that hit Clovis, California, where the entire stadium was shut turned off basically no power no internet no nothing completely dark uh so we lost the stream for a little bit luckily we were able to they postponed the meet by like an hour or so and then mm -hmm. they decided to like all right we figured it out we're gonna do a track meet in the dark and we recorded it to tape and you can see we had uh athletes line the track with cell phones <laughs> so they had a little light rail what i want to know wow. is did they send each other text messages to each cell phone to get their own virtual light pacer around the track where it lit <laughs> up because he said, Hey, we need, we need to give them three thirty six pace in the 1500. So it's send a text every one second to get across around the track. That would have been yeah. amazing, but they didn't do that. Well, uh, they were incredibly resourceful to get this thing up and going. And they obviously they prioritized the, those, those 1500s obviously because they couldn't steeple in the dark. That sounds like a horrible yeah. idea for anybody involved, even your worst enemy, you don't want them steepling in the dark and they may do with it. I mean, this is in, this was incredible. I think, I mean, it was great towards the end, they got them back working, right? So we got it for the steeples. We got it for those elite 5Ks where I know you're excited to see the, the close of that men's race. Cause you, you kind of nailed this one. I don't know, we don't have the tape handy yet. We're not up to that level of production, but I believe you said your is gonna go out at 1340 pace and then kick down with like a 55 close to 1330, or maybe you said 1330 pace and then kick down to 1320. But basically the elements were there for what you said, because his close was ridiculous here. And I know it was off of a relatively conservative pace, but 54 on that close just blew everybody out of the water with a with a 13 29 what are the updated we need the updated gordon 5000 rankings now well before i give you let's fast forward on this video to about the 600 meters to go mark for grijalva so really testing going. the limits of travis's just, right. production so here he goes here. all right just let's just watch this for those listening to the pod just go on the website and 
link up the audio to this video. But all right, 600 to go. He takes the lead. And just look how quickly the lead gets expanded over Dressel. So, all right, it's a little more. So he just started. Now it's already like five meters. But then on the back, eventually on the back stretch of his last 400 when he closes in 55, look at this. He is already yeah. 15 meters now after the first 100 meters. Now it's probably 20 meters. And he went out 600 to go. It is completely over mm-hmm. after the 200 with the lap to go already. And then look at that. Look at that. He has like a he ran him out of the screen. Lead. He ran him out of the screen from 600 to go to 400 to go would be the best way to describe yeah. it if you're not able to to watch this video. And then by the back stretch, then with 300 to go, he's up 30, 40 meters at that point. And this thing is all she wrote. Now, who is this the who is this the strategy to beat? Because he has to like his kick more than Kip too. He's got to like his kick more than Kurgot. So it doesn't make sense for him to be the aggressor. Is this the strategy to beat one of the Oregon guys if they're in this race? Is this the strategy to beat somebody else? He knows he can beat the or- he knows he can beat Tier because he's already outkicked Tier in a fast race when he ran thirteen sixteen. So mm-hmm. the really only unknown wild card is if Hawker does the five k, can he outkick a Hawker? Right? Because Hawker right yeah. now is showing that no one can beat him. I'm thinking though, my sources are telling me that I think Hawker might just do the fifteen, which then makes it even easier for Grohalva to win this five k against a tier who's even already easier beaten. you said even easier with the men's 5k this year come on man nothing's easy hey man but like we all like are i think low-key everyone is just forgetting that i think luis grijalva is the best 5k runner in the nation and yard nagus is the best 1500 meter runner in the nation but we just don't know that because neither of them ran indoors neither of them have done a heavy loaded outdoor season and so mm-hmm. therefore they're kind of just like Hey guys, don't forget we we're pretty good too. I know like yeah. the stars of Oregon and Iowa State are doing their thing up front, but when it all comes down to it, I think Notre Dame and Northern Arizona are gonna show up pretty well. But we'll have to wait and see. Yard Nagoose was supposed to be in this fifteen hundred at the West Coast Relays, but they scratched out. Yared hasn't run anything since his five K in March, so maybe he's yeah. a little banged up. I don't know, uh, but. The 5K, once again, they're now, I looked it up, 17 men have broken 1330 in the 5K in 2021. Only two men did it in 2019. It was, it's just insane. Yeah, like, the men's 5K is just wild. I'm in love with it, you know? (laughs) As you can see on the screen, I'm in love with the 5K. This is wild. Yeah. Uh, NAU wise, I think they had a good good meet. You saw Abdi Ahmed Nur put down a good 10k in the morning when lights were not necessary at all. Blaze Farrow ran well in that race too, so they got all their their people through. Going back to the that women's five, Ellie Hennis, man, she laid down the lumber there. I don't know how else to put it. Just like she was right on the rabbit's shoulder, she was almost inching out to lane two for a lot of this and you were kind of wondering man she must just feel really good because she's trying to she's like basically getting on the rabbit to go even quicker and then with 2k to go it was just her the rabbit steps off and she doesn't slow like she just keeps grinding and grinding and grinding she ends up running 15 18 a big pb for her puts her second in the nation right now you know, we don't know where a lot of these women are going to race. You talked about that last week. We don't know who's doing steeple, who's doing five, who's doing 15. It, it's all over the place. But you look at a race like that from Hennis and the confidence that she showed there, you have to you have to like her, her chances with only a month to go or six weeks to go in the season. Yeah. She's kind of been a very consistent runner her entire four- to five-year career at NC State. Um, and I think this is kind of the first time she's thrown down a mark that's like separating yeah. herself from the field. She's always been like in that group of, yeah, I'm a top eight, top eight runner. But now this is like, hey, I can 15, 18. You don't see Whitney Orton doing that. You don't see 
Uh, I mean, Mercy Chalanga did do that. She ran about 15, 16, 17. So she basically right. ran the same time as the cross-country champ. So she's definitely in the conversation. Well, we look at the results from this race. I mean, it was fast, not just – I mean, Hannah's one going away, but – it wasn't because people didn't bring their A game. You know, Donahue with a 1529, Prowse with a 1529, Ternodia with 1536. Those are fast, fast times in the same way we talk about the men's times just going up another level this year. So good runs there. But Hennis, by far the, the class of the field, second best in the NCAA this year. Okay, I want to talk about those 1500s that took place when the lights were out those premier 1,500-meter races? Because we got to see Gordon in those races. Who was born in the dark and who merely was adopted by the dark? They, they were the Bane 1,500s there. Uh, which one do we – we got one coming up here, uh, queued up here. Let's just roll whichever one that is, and we can we can talk about it. What was your what were your takeaways from – I guess this is first the, uh, the women's 1,500. Yeah, I mean – there's just so much depth now in the women's 1500. I, I heard a stat the other day. I think 20 plus women have broken 420 in the 1500 this year, where in 2019 it was only like four, four or five. So, yeah. like, everyone is running quicker. Uh, we saw a good race here between Whitney Orton and the rest of the field. At, um, Chrissy Gear gets the win. I, I'm sorry, I'm losing track of uh, the names. But who's exactly was the Chrissy Gear and four oh nine? I should know this. Gear. Your your audio is cutting out, Kev. So maybe we should Chrissy take down Gere. This, this, uh, the, the... Oh yeah, Gear. Chrissy Gear. Yeah, Gear. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Gear, who is a steepler, another person who's <laughs> is she still she maybe? I think so. But like, if you're four oh nine speed, maybe that is the solution to the win the steeple. But yeah, gear four nine flat, and then Orton right behind her four nine thirty one. Yeah. Can't I mean BYU had what four women break four fifteen? Yeah, uh, and then Caitlin Tui, the freshman four fourteen. Everyone was talking about that. Uh, good PB. I guess that's the PB PB for her. Um, Season, but it just shows the depth that someone like Tui can finish ninth in this race, run four fourteen, and there can be eight other women who are all running quicker. And led by Chrissy Gear, four hundred nine flat. Well, she was Tui was there with three, like three hundred four to go. Like she was right on Orton's shoulder. She was not shy at all. She fell back, but again, another NC State runner showing confidence in the early moments of the race, and that's a good sign for her. But yeah, Orton, I think, doesn't really want to be in the position of. I mean, no, Myler wants to be in the position of leading, so. I wouldn't read too much into this. I mean, a great run for gear, especially considering we know her more as a as a steepler. But yeah, I thought going into the weekend, I said this on was a Wednesday, we'd be talking about Herda and Orton as the fifteen hundred meter co favorites. Well, Herda didn't run in this meet, correct? And Orton got beat. So that prediction for me was was a bit off. I think you have more confusion than anything in the the fifteen hundred than you did like going into the weekend because now there's look at I mean look at the, just the glut of people there at the top because B BYU could put Orton in the five right now and then put Camp in the fifteen and with the way Anna Camp closes All right. I think something's happening. I think I lost all that. Elon, did people hear that normally, or was that just yeah. me going crazy? Yeah, that's on your end, Gordon. Okay. It was a great point. I'm not going to lie. I heard, yeah, I heard just a robotic talk the entire time. I think it's because I tried to load TFERS, and then my internet <laughs> can't handle the TFERS top 500 list, and then we, we lose, uh, I lose connection with you. Uh, but whatever you said, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure the audience appreciated mm -hmm. that take, that high-level take that you gave. Um, mm -hmm. What I wanted to talk about was the men's race. One, yeah. Sam Prakel, he, he runs 3.36 every time he goes. He's just really good at running 3.36. Uh, we talked about, once again, every time an elite male U.S. 1,500-meter runner doesn't run 3.35, another uh, angles and uh, central get their wings. 
because uh, mm-hmm. once again, we don't see it. Now, there are still more big opportunities for 1500s. You have one at Mount Sac uh, this weekend. There'll probably be another one at Sound Running. Maybe an NCA final goes fast. I don't know. But right now it's looking good for the three people with the Olympic standard in the 1500. But I think the big takeaway I thought from this race was BYU. <laughs> Connor Mance, a 10K runner, in 337. If you look at the Tifers, like, top uh, 10, they have, like, five guys in the 1500. It's just wild. Uh, yeah. Talon Franco, uh, they have uh, Lucas Bonds. Casey Klinger ran, like, a fast converted mile that converts to a fast 1500. And then Casey Klinger, I, I mean, Connor Mance obviously isn't going to run the 15, but maybe he does. Maybe he's like, hey, let's stay fresh for the 10K at the trials. And we'll run the 1500. <laughs> He didn't like all those comments. He didn't like all those comments about us saying he needs to start his kick on Thursday if he's going to be competitive in the 1500 on Friday. And he stuck his nose right in there. This is impressive. On the other side of the the coin, Washington. What do you make of Washington's performance here in the 1500? Sam Tanner, who was a star indoors, runs a 334, was here, you know, in the mix with 100 to go and just went, we got the results up here, you know, just went backwards over the latter portion of that race. And it's just, you would obviously Franco and Bonds, you'd be you're not surprised that they did well for BYU, but it's almost like the Washington and BYU results are, are flipped here, Gordon, after that. Yeah, and I was talking to someone here in Flag about Sam Tanner's performance, and they kind of reminded me like Sam just got announced to the Olympic team a few weeks ago. And I think once that happened, your kind of your focus shifts and you realize, okay. I need to be at my best in August now, not in June. And maybe I need to start kind of resetting my season and maybe running a 335, 1500 in May isn't the best thing for me or getting prepared to do that. So maybe his his training kind of took a, a step back and going back into base phase to kind of build up to August, which could be a reason why someone like Sam Tanner can run 338 and not really be in his sharpest, like, 335 shape. Mm-hmm. So. Makes 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 some sense. Makes some sense. But it's just, I don't know, still like a, a surprise because after he ran that time at the New Balance meet indoors, he thought, okay, this is going to be the guy or one of the guys, him and Nagoose, or then when Hawker put his name out there, those, those three. Uh, interesting to see how it develops. But the men's 15 is super deep. We got the top – 15 list here. Uh, Travis can pull up Tifers without pulling the show to a complete halt. So we'll have him do that. <laughs> Let you look at the screen here. <laughs> but yeah, Ilya Kipsang up front, Walid Suleiman, Marcia, Mario Garcia Romo. Then then the BYU contingent starts starts rolling in there pretty deep. Obviously, there's gonna be some some scratches here, but the common theme is just fast all around this year. Where's uh, Cole Hawker? Cole Hawker is now 20th. Yeah, it is funny, right? 20th. He looks so good in that 15, but he just hasn't done one since. And he's the 1500-meter favorite, and now he's 20th. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild. That's why PBs, uh, predicting uh, the results based off of just who has the fastest PB is never a good option when it comes to distance races. Unless you're Billy Kipchoge, then it's a good way to predict. He's he's got well everybody's got basically two weekends left. And he's got Twilight, Oregon Twilight, and then the conference meet. And that's pretty much it. And some people who don't have conference might run that sound running meet in, in, in California. But that's that's pretty much it in terms of trying to run fast. And since if you're looking towards the trials too. That's basically the amount of times you have to run quick between now and the Olympic trials, unless you get a quick one at the NCAA meet, which it might be fast, but if you're trying to run 13-15 in the 5K to get the Olympic standard at the NCAA final, that might be a little bit too much to ask. So these next two weeks, you're really going to want to pay attention to. Yeah, got to pay attention. I will be hiking during uh the mount sack meet so i won't really know much i'll be updating my phone with bad cell service see what's happening around track man what else happened this weekend anything happened on the sprint side 
I well on the NCAA. Yeah, I want to talk about Bromel here. I obviously want to talk about the, the the teenagers for the United States running ridiculous times. But while we're on the topic of uh, the NCAA, Michael Williams ran really fast for Oregon, 10-0. and then North Carolina A and T's four hundred. Trevor Stewart dropped a good one, forty four fifty two. Randolph Ross has also gone forty four sixty nine, and Elijah Young forty five ninety eight. There some depth for A and T and Stewart is, is looking pretty good too. North Carolina A and T's conference, the MIAC is going to be live on flow track in two weeks. Mm. So check that out. That should be good. You see this footage of Stewart running 44, five. I mean, it's no Noah Williams, 44, three. Am I right? Cause there we go. There we go. Finally Noah giving Williams. him his due. Took two months, took two months and getting called out on Twitter for, Gordon to admit that you're strong. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good race. You have, obviously, Williams, Deadman, Ross, Trevor Stewart, Blockberger from Arizona. The men's, the men's 400 is is getting excited. We got a late rush there by Randolph Ross over the last 15 meters. Good close there by him. But let's talk Bromel. You want to talk Bromel? I'm ready to make it. a statement. I'm ready to talk, make a statement about Trayvon Bromel. It's, it's almost like an election night call. You know, the, the panel's talking, and all of a sudden, Wolf Blitzer puts his hand right here, and he says, I'm willing to say, after this 988, that Trayvon Bromel has now moved into 100-meter favorite for the Olympics. That's right. I am confirming this. Trayvon Bromel, officially, we had him as co-favorite. I'm now officially moving him to title of favorite after his 988 run in Jacksonville. Well, I think your broadcast is a few weeks on delay because he's been the favorite in my books <laughs> for like the, before 2021 even started. He became the favorite as soon as he ran in back in 2020 summer. Uh, there was no reason. Uh, Noah Lyles hasn't done anything to show that he can compete with Bromel. I know Lyles is a slower starter in the season and he kind of works his way into it, but Lyles is not Christian Coleman. And with no Christian Coleman, Bromel clearly is the favorite. And Justin Gatlin, he's going to be there. He's going to have the participation trophy of being able to qualify once again. But Bromel is going to be the one that's going to win it, provided he shows up, gets the job done, and is healthy. You were right to be early on it. I just was giving Lyles a little bit more time to come around. But look, this is Bromel over the last two years. He's beaten DeGrasse twice. This is the 100. Beaten DeGrasse twice, beaten Lyles twice, beaten Gatlin once. Now in the 60, he lost to Ronnie Baker. I'm not really worried right now about 60s. There's no 60 at the Olympics. Last I checked, maybe they'll try to shorten everything. <laughs> try to get everybody out of there quicker. Yeah, exactly. Every, hey, we, every event gets reduced by 60%, right? So the 5K gets dropped down. Yeah, the 10K is now the 6K. It's very confusing to everybody. That's not happening. Look, another just amazing start from Bromel. That is now the rule. It doesn't seem to be the exception. The big question is just the health. And every time we get closer, every day we get closer to the trials, that's one day of him being healthier and healthier and healthier and proving once again that he is solid sub 9-9. Listen, times, whatever, especially in Florida, I feel like everybody runs fast in Florida all the time. You could go down there, Gordon. You could probably break 14 down in Florida. That's how quick those tracks in Florida are. But the important thing when I look at here is the margin of victory, right? And just how well he he performed uh, at going out of the blocks. I mean, you can see it there if you're watching right now. And, or you can find that that, that tweet from Romel this weekend. Pretty, pretty easy to it's find. Over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's over, it's over after over. the first 20 meters. Yeah. It, it was pretty... It was pretty crazy. Actually, what's can we play audio from tweets? Because there's a there's low key like a really funny thing that the cameraman mumbles during this thing in the beginning. I don't know if we can play audio from tweets while we play it, but um, no, we can't. All right, next. Time. I think that he just says like, "Damn!" Like ten minutes, ten second or one second into the race, he's just like, "Damn!" Because <laughs> it's over. You're right, 100. percent And that's what he did uh, last race right against a, a deeper field and that's what he did here too so Romel favorite 
So Bromel is the now, but we've been we're starting to see uh, the 2024 class, not class, but the people who are going to be fast in 2024 Olympics, probably 2028 Olympics. Yeah, uh, yeah. Two high school juniors running out of their mind. Was it at, was it also at this meet in Jacksonville? Where, where these high school, where, where these high school kids ran? I think I think so. Uh, let's so yeah, see. Arion Knight and Jalen Slade. They weren't. They is that a different Florida meet? Uh, both in seventeen. Claremont. Both seventeen years old. Knighton runs nine ninety nine, ten oh seven, and Slade runs ten oh three, ten oh three. It's just wild. I mean, the nine ninety nine was plus two point seven wind, so not wind legal, but comparatively, when Bromel broke 10 in high school it was like four wind when bowling broke four i mean broke 10 in high school it was like 4.0 wind this is only 2.7 wind that's not that much more uh he clearly is running like what the professionals are running and this is showing me he can make a u.s final and potentially potentially finish top six and then be on that olympic four by one the ten zero in the final was just a, a two point one wind. Yeah. This with both of these guys, with both of these guys, I think it's a really good sign for the two hundred because I think that's where the spot is available this year because that's the way that event works out. And you know, Slade obviously has run fast two hundreds. That twenty twenty was wind legal. Number four in U.S. history, Knight, and we've seen run a really good 200. I think there's more. There's gonna be more opportunity, uh, even though it's gonna be slim. It's gonna be in the 200. What I think is interesting here, Gordon, as we have more runners go pro in high school, like is the case with Knight, and just in general train more professionally, train more with a few meets in mind as opposed to high school meets. You know, schedule like a pro. I wonder if that means that the adjustment to going to something like the trials is going to be not as dramatic because they're not trying to put a round peg in a square hole of a season. He's probably training with the idea of my peak is the Olympic trials. Whereas really good high schoolers before, maybe they were looking at the state meet or those all-star meets, post-state meet, right? The New Balances, the Brookses, the whatever of the world, Indiduses of the world, or in cross-country, the NXNs or the Foot Lockers. But now that that's shifted and a lot of these top runners are opting out of a traditional high school season, I wonder if we'll see not as big of a, you know, speed bump on their way to these big-time meets. Now, I say that with the knowledge that in 2016, when Lyles and Norman were high school seniors, they ran about as well as you could have hoped in the Olympic trials. And they had run high school seasons themselves, but this just becomes more and more of a trend. And if they're treating themselves like pros, it would make sense that they would look at the Olympic trials as this is when I have to get ready, not, hey, this is a nice little bonus at the end of the season. It's like, no, no, this is the focus of the season. Do you know when is are there USA juniors this year? Oh, it's canceled. I don't know. They canceled it. Cuz does that mean how are they picking cuz aren't isn't there isn't there world juniors this year? Sorry, I just found this out now. This is probably old news. Oh, so it looks like okay. Never mind. I didn't mean to do it. So with no USA juniors, that's going to be another like thing that these guys can kind of back up plan. So if the Olympic trials yeah. don't go as planned, they still have that opportunity to get some international experience later on in the, in the summer as well. So mm -hmm. uh, it's like kind of there's that double dip where they can train for the trials. And if that doesn't work, they have that fallback where like they can still go back into the high school junior mode and, you know, get their feet wet with competing against people of their age as opposed to people five, ten years older than them. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Their feet are pretty wet at this point. Like, all these races that they're running in, 
these Florida type meets are filled with pros, right? There's like a difference though, I feel. The but I think what's going to happen there's no expectations, there's no pressure, there's no hype around it. Like people don't even know this meet is happening until after the fact for the most part. They're so like, "Oh, this meet happened in Florida and they ran fast." You just such a different mentality when all of a sudden you realize, "Oh, this is it. This is the race. This is the one that matters." And it you're you're just not as loose, I feel like. And so, yes, they're getting experience of racing against people that they will race against, but they have yet yeah. to get the experience of the pressure. Well, the pressure I think will come at the trials, not just in the, like with every round it's gonna come, right? There's gonna be pressure in the hunt, in the, the first round of the 100, the first round of the 200. It's not just something where they are only gonna feel it if they get to the final. And then I think someone like Knighton is gonna get invited to Diamond Leagues, especially, you know, he's sponsored, right? Especially if he makes a final of a US trials like he's going to get invites to go compete overseas i get your point that that's not a championship race so the the, the pressure is off but he'll get to compete consistently against guys low 20s into the 19s um got a comment in the chat here about the 100 might be more open than the 200 after the top spot i just don't see that just because weird stuff always <laughs> happens at the trials and at championships people get hurt People randomly scratch out. Like it, it always seems like I, I know right now Lyles is solid, but Narex looked really good. You got Terrence Laird in there tearing it up. There'll probably be somebody else there as well. But I, the, the 200 just seems to be, seems to find a way every big meet to have something go haywire in it to where that there's a, a open spot or a little bit, not even, not even like saying they're going to get top three, but a better chance to get into the final make it higher, make it to a, a higher place. Because in the 100, you got to think, I mean, it's great, you know, sub sub 10 is nothing to sneeze at, but you got to think, we talked about Bromel, we talked about Lyles, we talked about Gatlin, we talked about Baker, and then you have that all other crew there, right? Like Kyrie Kings run sub 10 this year, Craven Gillespie, Isaiah Young, except, you know, Michael Williams is now running 10 O's, like they're going to be sharp and ready to go. So the margin between making the final and you know, not getting out of those semis is is pretty small in 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 both races, but I think it's even smaller in the hundred. What are your thoughts on uh, world relays or or lack of world relays? They probably should not have had them. Would be my takeaway. I mean, shout out to Kenya gets the bronze. They got third out of three teams in the mixed gender shuttle hurdle relay, which is a favorite relay of mine. But now this meet was like a blip on the radar. And the thing was, is it had the weekend all to itself a bit. I mean, yeah, we were focused on the West Coast relays from a collegiate perspective, but globally, obviously you had Bromel running these fast times and these quick, quick meets in Florida, but like they didn't put a continental tour on this weekend. They didn't put a diamond league meet on this weekend. So they have the opportunity to do it, but when the U.S. doesn't run, when Jamaica doesn't run, when Canada doesn't run, and then when they take out all the distance races, and then most of the good sprinters from the remaining countries opt out. I mean, we had Travis look this up before. The fastest four by four split was forty-five seconds on the men's side of things. That's yeah, what you're going to get. Oh uh, yeah, that's 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 what you're going to get when you don't have the best people compete. So it was a it was a completely watered down event. I love the meet. I like the concept of the meets when it first rolled out, but this year did not work. Do you think there's a concern that the World Relays could become like the Continental Cup? <laughs> Is that like the disaster scenario? Not yeah. The you know what I mean? Like where it's like, oh yeah, it's that one meet that no one really gives yeah. a crap about being at their best for. You know, I think a lot of. I mean, people, the Netherlands. What? Sorry. I think I was just said. I think a lot of people ran uh, the the earlier iterations of it because it was in the Bahamas, right? It was not a lot for the U.S. Yeah. at least, and the Caribbean. There's no travel, and then you got 
you had European countries and you had African countries come over too. But having people go to Poland, obviously that's better for the European nations. But I think you got to figure out a time and a place where it's going to attract the highest amount of people. Because honestly, like, I don't know, even if every team had like their B team or like A slash B team, I can still kind of get into it because it's relays and relays are fun, right? Like if the U.S., runs 50% of their, of their best people. Like it's like Bromel runs and Ronnie Baker runs. And then two other guys who are 10 0 guys, like I'll still get into that. Like I'll still watch it. It'll be fun to see. Oh, Bromel has got a deficit. Can he catch people? Oh, the four by four, like Phil's Francis is is even with Jamaica in the last leg. Like I'll, I'll still, I'll still watch that. But when it gets to this point, I mean, we actually have obviously prominent countries missing and then half of the events are gimmick events like that's not any fun like i i, I think I, most people would much rather watch a four by eight right than some of the events that they ran just have some sort of distance representation yeah i think uh the reason they don't do distance is apparently a lot of countries don't have good distance athletes so it's a lot easier for a country to find a respectable 400 meter runner who won't get lapped versus finding a, a miler who won't get lapped so i think that's the issue I, yeah, but I think what you should try to do is put together six to eight team compelling fields. So you don't need the whole world running your four by eight, but can you get six teams? Can you get eight teams running a good four by eight? Yeah, you could do that. Is that the same team though? That's going to be able to put together a four by one. That's good. That's the problem. It's just the same problem as in high school track or in college track. Not everybody's deep. Not everybody has yeah. the, the four by one and the four by 1500, right? Like, so you got to kind of figure out how to entice people, how to entice a nation to bring an entire team, even though they're going to get stomped in one event probably, but they have a chance to get a medal in another event. Did Kevin, did you see that one uh, race on Sunday, yesterday? Happened Sunday night. On Sunday night, yeah, it was. It was. It came down to there was like a close finish oh, at yeah, the yeah. end. I think we. Ha- I think we have video of it. Yeah, yeah. Travis, can you yeah, pull yeah. it up? I think we. I think we do. Is this the? Uh, is a tip in involving the Sixers that went well? Yeah, for the first I think time. we have video. <laughs> okay, so very funny. What, what were your thoughts I'm on this, this little fin- copyright <laughs> violation? I'm reporting this to the NBA. Adam Silver, take down the channel. What are your thoughts on that finish of Ben Simmons? Uh, Taking it to your San Antonio Spurs. Well, it was Ben Simmons' second made field goal of the game. Uh, really impressed that Ben Simmons got shut down by a Spurs defense that did not have four starters. Just real impressive, real way to beat your chest uh, after a win there by by the Philadelphia 76ers. Really showed their championship medal. Uh, again, I was just surprised they were on the right side of a tip-in for once. So that was a good thing for them. So here's the uh, thing. Fortunate, Obviously, for people who challenge podcast on the stretch. For people who don't know, you're a diehard Spurs fan. I'm a diehard Sixers fan. We would have potentially been at this game. You went to Flagstaff. I went to Flagstaff instead. But if I didn't, we, you and me would have been in the stadium together at this game. We, we would have fought. We, we would have not been good. That would have been a long ride yeah. home if we were drove. If we carp, we we hope we didn't carpool on that situation. But like, would you have been mad at Here's me? Here's my question. Would you have taken it out? On yeah, you? I'm 100% mad at you. Here's my question though. Uh, is that a word like, so Spurs rest everybody. Would I have rather just have them get blown out by 30 than have that happen? Yeah, probably. Cause that was really annoying. Yeah, but it was Blocked also annoying that the Sixers took the gas pedal off the gas or foot off the gas pedal and let you guys get back in the game. So that's not what happened. Spurs just outplayed them cause they're a better team top to bottom. But all right, anyway, okay, yeah. <laughs> East is weak this year. Uh, Divine Oduru, 1988. Big run for him. Excited to see what Divine does uh, this year. Obviously had a tough championship in in Doha. This week coming up, Gordon, we got a lot of fun stuff this week coming up. You got we the do? Continental Tour. You got that. Uh, and, and, well, we have two Continental Tours, right? There's one in Japan. And then also the yep. one at, at Mount Sac. Are you hearing anything when you were out in Flagstaff? Are you hearing anything about Mount Sac? Because it seems like this is going to be 
the meet when we get some sort of well, I guess the Eugene meet was was solid, but we're gonna get a lot more people showing up. Like this is gonna look even more like a diamond league, I believe. Yeah, I think it'll be similar to the Eugene meet. To be honest, I think the U.S. distance runners are basically kind of eyeing the Mount Sac meet and the Sound Running meet as the two kind of prep meet prep races until they get ready for the trials. So I don't think it's gonna be anything wild, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see when we start seeing the entries. But, yeah, th this weekend also, though, it's going to be a wild weekend for high school uh, track because the Florida and Texas state meets are this weekend, and they're both live on flow. And, as you know, Texas sprinters and Florida sprinters are the best in the country. And so mm -hmm. we could see some – I'm not sure if we'll see, like, a Matt Bowling type experience that we had in 2019, but there could be yeah. – uh, a low-key runner from Texas or from Florida shows up and has an an incredible double or something like that. Mm -hmm. We should Such also mention exciting. people bring it up in the chat, and I did not did not see this in the Claremont. Or I didn't see this in the results just because the Claremont stuff came across late. Elaine Thompson ten seventy eight with a plus one point eight. So that's second in the world, obviously behind Shakari's ten seventy two. So I'm excited. I don't know if you you saw this, Gordon. You were traveling. Uh, last week, they announced that Gateshead Diamond League Women's 100 with Richardson, uh, Thompson, Fraser Price, and Dina Asher-Smith. That's at the end of May. So you're getting four of the top five, I mean, maybe, maybe the top four in the world right now squaring off in the Women's 100 at the end of May. That should be a good litmus test for Richardson, who has yet to really – I mean, she's running well now. I mean, she's being she's consistent as hell. But again, I think there's something different about running in low key Florida meets versus like getting on yeah, a plane yeah. and going to the going through the whole process of like this is the big leagues. You know, I mean, she's already a big leaguer, but she has yet to to run in big league competitions that often. I mean, Prefontaine's really the only big league, I guess, in USA's Prefontaine in USA's from 2019 to the last big mm -hmm. league meet she's been in. Uh, so she needs to get her – I think it's smart for her. She should, like, do – if I were her, she should do, like, multiple diamond leagues to kind of be, like, normalize that that world, that, you know, Level process. So so that when she goes to the Olympics, she's not, like, fish, like, like kind of, like, in over her head. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I think it's awesome that they're doing it. Right. What other event are we going to see the top four medal contenders all race each other pre Olympics? You know, Dude, this would be the men's which one? NCAA 5K. It's the men's NCAA well, 5K. <laughs> not the NCAA. I'm talking about I know, the I know, world. Joke, There's this whole big world. I know. There's this whole big world out there, Gordon, beyond the NCAA that I'm excited about. You make a good point. I, I think of Florida and sprints the same way I think of. Like the BU meets and distance, it's like you go there, you get your PB or you get your confidence booster, but then you got to test it somewhere else. And wherever you test it usually isn't as fast as BU or Claremont, but you're going to get better competition and that's where the medals are won. And that's where the teams are, are made at that point. So this will be good. This will be a good uh, – you're right. It'll be good. It'll be a good test. I'm excited to for that one. And also, I was just wondering how many American athletes are actually going to run in Diamond Leagues before the Olympic trials, and now we know at least one. But you're right. Richardson is a great candidate for it because you know, she ran so fast. She doesn't need – she doesn't need to really prove anything in terms of, like, fitness or, or getting sharp, but just the big moments in racing against the big people would definitely help her out as she goes into the, the, the trials and then the, the, the Olympics, if she qualifies. For oh, sure. men's fish. Sure. Jambu brings up men's 1500 in Monaco. Yeah. We'll probably, we'll probably see it there, but the things with the 1500, you never know who the top four people are. You know who the fastest PBs are, but you don't know ever who's going to be in top four at the, the world championships, but you could definitely see Inga Britson and Cherry in there. And then if you have those two, you at least know that you have the top two currently can i do some unbreaking of news 
Sure. So it's it unbreaking. Good? I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, so you know how I've been floating the idea that Shelby will run the 10K? Oh, you're walking us back? No, I'm not walking it back. Um, I'm, I'm telling you it's not happening. But I will tell you there was plans for it to happen, but those plans have since changed, and now it's not happening. What happened? Which is unfortunate. Just change the plans. I, I don't have the reasoning. I just know that it was on the docket, but now it's off the docket. But what's Bowerman? What I do, do what I do know is like when are they gonna race? Well they'll probably run at sound. Okay, Maybe I didn't see them on the track entries. Festival or Portland Track Festival. I don't know. You know, Jerry, he'll just show up and be like, Can I come in? They'll be like, Yes. He doesn't have to follow the rules, right? You can just do whatever he wants. You can he can do his own track meet, be like the Bowerman he Classic where he just, late fee on he didn't get that fifty dollar late fee on the registration no, portal. He doesn't. No. Waved. But, while Shelby's not doing the 10K this year, the 10K is, though, in her future. That's all I can say about that. So. The thing is, nobody believes you anymore. You lost all credibility on the Shelby. No, TV. I'm telling you, sorry. No, you, it, it is Same. a common timeline to say you're going to do something and then not do it. That happens. Yeah. And that's what happened. And now, but I do know that eventually she's going to do it. And she's not just going to do it to, like, she's going to run fast. Like, she can potentially well, but that's not like an American news. record. Like, at- Athlete moves up in distance isn't news. Athlete runs random other event as a as a safety in case they don't make it in their primary event. That's a little more newsworthy. I'm saying you were reporting that. That's why I'm disappointed, Gordon. You said it. You prefaced what? it with, "Hey, listen, everybody." Press hey, record. I'm trying to correct the record right now. It's only May third. The trials are end of June. Like, I'm getting out ahead of it. It's better than just, just sitting just, on it and not doing anything about it. So. Just lost, just lost some credibility here. Okay, so you think Bowerman is going to run at? Oh, you know what? I think they might run at Mount Sac. At least some of them, because they put out. So here, you'll, you'll like this. This is some good Instagram sleuthing for you, Gordon. And you, I know you like Instagram sleuthing. Uh, on the podcast we record with Justin Knight, you know he talked about how he's the best basketball playing distance runner out there. And yeah. asked him, I said, "What about Josh Thompson?" Cause he can dunk and he's like, Oh yeah. You know, Josh and I were kind of going back and forth before the Texas meet about it. Da, 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 da. Well, Bowerman this past week, they put a video out like them talking during their long run. And they were, they brought up like, Oh, Josh is going to challenge Justin Knight to a one-on-one game. Like he tagged him on Instagram and they said, they're like after the Mount, after Mount Sack, let's, let's do it. And then Mohamed's like, no, 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 before Mount Sack, you guys should do it. Which I thought was funny. The idea of like them in a parking lot before like an hour before a 1500 just going hard so that made me think at least josh thompson is going to run the mount sack meet do all the other bowering people come i have no idea they could definitely split the squad i just think that it's like you got this weekend you, yeah you got the sound running meet you got portland track festival it just feels like we should be seeing something soon doesn't it yeah, well, Bowerman is notorious for not running often, right? They love to kind of do like one race a year, <laughs> right? I mean, no, they do more than that. They I... were they were willing to let Woody Kincaid jog a five k instead of trying to get the standard. And even though you got I'm looking at when Shelby, I want to see when Shelby debuted in 2019 because I think this is, I think this is late even by their standards. The trials are in six weeks. I just think it's. So Shelby outdoors last year, a pre on June thirtieth, July. Oh wow, yeah, you're right. Oh man, she never ran. Holy cow! Yeah. They don't run. So she did. They, they she she debuted with pre. I'm not counting indoors. June third. Now it was later that year. Remember, because 2019, 359 at pre on June thirtieth. And then July 9th, Azusa, Sunset Tour. She ran a 159.800. And then I think she rabbited the 5,000. And then it was literally USA's. So they ran two meets. Yeah. Trust in your training. It's not good. I like it. Well, it's not good, though. I, cool. I mean, Who's yeah, another? Works, Maybe. But like, we need to set up a system where that shouldn't be like uh, – it shouldn't 
we should figure out a way to set up our sport where we're not um what's the word uh tempted not tempted um incentivized to do that because basically firemen's incentivized to run less because it helps them be their best for the trials and if it works it works and there's no shame in doing what works for you but the problem is like they need to figure out a way to maybe make it so i don't know maybe we need to rethink the way we do trials maybe it shouldn't be all just so one race. The, maybe maybe it should be multiple races maybe it should be like but a, here's what Tom, here's what thompson did though here's what thompson in 2019 he ran uh, a 1500 at oxy in the middle of may then the beginning of june he ran a steeple which was his last steeple i think then the beginning of june or end of june he ran in, in eugene then he ran at sunset tour then he ran at portland track festival and then he ran at usa's so he basically ran five meets before trials which i think five is a solid number yeah but he's also more of a less experienced person so someone like shelby yeah yeah he's chasing standards and stuff like that and shelby's just like i just need to show up and win so yeah i get it i do get it but maybe we should figure out a way to make our regular season a little more fun it's just interesting because there's, there's well there's all these uh there's all these meets now, right? It was before it was like there weren't many meets, and now there's all these meets. And yeah. You just expect everybody to show up because they're they're available and, and they look like they are appealing, right? They're geographically convenient and they have good fields. I'm looking at Thompson in 2018. Well, that's different because there's a champ. There's no no global championship, but. Yeah, I guess it's just different for different people, right? Like, I remember last year when we were looking at, remember Nike did the thing where they made him run because they needed the 10 race minimum. And we went we went through and it was funny how like eerily close Centro always was to 10 races. And I didn't think it was a thing until I actually went through. And I was like, oh, he raced nine times this year and like 10 times this year and like 12 times that year. There was no, it didn't, it didn't seem to deviate much. Um, we got one question before we go on one of your favorite runners. So I'm going to leave this one to you. It's from Max. It says, thoughts on Zuhair Talby, NAIA runner from Oklahoma City University, running 1328 and taking down a pro field at Trials of Miles. First of all, it's not my favorite runner. That is Lincoln Strike's favorite runner. Uh, but you know about the, Zuhair, though. It's like, I know, I know. I keep on thinking about what if he would have gotten that academic eligible for Florida State and he could have been on the Florida State team. And he would have kind of also been in the mix with my love for the 5K, right? It would have been wild. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not going to lie. Breaking 1330 doesn't mean much anymore, right? It's just mm. like it's it's like the four-minute mile. It's like, all right, cool. You can do what everyone else can do. Like run three, sub 355 now, right? And I think that's yeah. in, the, in the 5K – it used to be like, whoa, third sub thirteen thirty is like super elite for a college kid. And now I think like in order to be the best of the best, you need to now be sub thirteen twenty. I think it's just everything got shifted ten seconds. Now some people mm -hmm. will say it's because of a certain type of shoe company, uh, putting things on people's feet that change it up. Um, but it, yeah, I think it's weird. It's weird how 1328s just don't mean anything anymore. I mean, I remember freaking out in like 2014 or 15 at Peyton mm -hmm. Jordan when like Ben True and Hassan Mead ran like 13.0. And I was like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And now it's yeah. like, all right, all the best can run 13.0. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be the best, best, you need to run 1250s. And we've yeah. been seeing that kind of trend over the past year or so. So, yeah, thirteen twenty eight to me is now just like a, a data point on a on a, an Excel chart. It's not really anything that opens my eye. That's just my. I opinion. mean, we literally, yeah. Well, and and then you have like the very the very, the very top pushing it even faster, right? So like on the women's side last year, we saw a world record in the women's five, and then you saw Houlihan and Schweizer run those one two american times right put it into the 1420s and then the men's side you saw joshua chapter guy so not only is like yeah 13 15 13 25 becoming more and more common but 
the fastest time, which we always tend, I think, just as track fans to kind of orient ourselves around. It's like, oh, you hear, like, when you know Shelby runs 1420 or whatever, all of a sudden, like, 1505 just doesn't seem as fast as it did before, just because yeah, we think we orient ourselves around the fastest, the fastest time. And it happens, you know, and events go in waves and stuff. So it's not always just like, well, Kennedy Bekele ran that that fast, but that was like, you know, you can always kind of chalk that up to history. It's kind of it's kind of like what you're seeing that happens uh, around you more recently that makes you kind of kind of question it. But Toby's been running well, man. He ran that he won that 10k out here, and he he does this stuff with a lot of uh, like a lot of solo efforts. Like he was hitting his watch in this one too. It was uh it was impressive. Um, yeah, Gordon was all on the Talby to Florida State train like two years ago when he thought it was going to happen. He had all of his projections, all the scoring charts yeah. were out there. That's why. Oh, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of projections, I, I need to update uh, NCA and USA rankings, which I won't do this week. Basically, mm-hmm. I'm not going to update anything until Monday of next week, likely, uh, and also update that, who has the standard, who doesn't. That probably won't all get updated to next week. So two-week break. Okay with my stats because I'm in a desert, so. All right. Well, we'll let you uh, go back to the desert. Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel, or the Flowtrack YouTube channel, or heck, just do both of them. You can find the show wherever you listen to audio podcasts as well, or on the site, flowtrack.org. Gordon, uh, you're off on Wednesday, I believe, but we'll figure some stuff out. And we'll be back two more times this week. Go Sixers. Later, guys. Stop. Stop. I'm a Bucks fan. <laughs> Lifelong Bucks fan.